Big Bad Beth is back in the building and she's already quit something. Plus, Brad and Kayla stay winning, MJ stays being targeted, Darrell stays being afraid of heights, Wes stays scheming, Veronica and Beth stay disliking each other, Kendall stays being the sweetest and best human alive, and Jordan stays the elimination king. It's the All-Stars 3 Episode 4 recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to the challenge historian, where we dive deep into all things the challenge, past, present, or future if it's happening in the challenge universe. And I am here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollibaugh. Thank you so very, very much for being here with me today. On today's episode, we are covering all things episode four of the Challenge All-Stars 3. Another episode in the books of this very, very good, if not really great, season. It all started on the highest of highs through two episodes. It was as good as it could possibly ever be. It dipped a little bit last week. We talked about it being an inflection point and that this next episode, episode four, would be a telltale sign of where the season would head. And, you know... I'm not sure we 100% got our answer. I think that was one of many predictions I got wrong about this episode, but I am leaning towards that it's tilting back in the right direction towards true greatness. I feel like maybe the inflection point lasted kind of a two episodes long and maybe we postpone till next week to find out exactly where we are headed, exactly where this the season it will end up in the pantheon of great, possibly great challenge seasons. We'll unpack that and everything that went down in this episode coming up here very shortly. First, a couple housekeeping notes. Yesterday was the 18th anniversary of the Inferno finale. Season 8, the Inferno, the finale aired 18 years ago yesterday, which yesterday is then when I dropped my season recap for the Inferno the 2022 Challenge Rewatch series rolled on season 8, the Inferno that podcast dropped yesterday, a season with some of the most memorable moments in all of challenge history sprinkled throughout it. So check out that recap podcast at your convenience and also know that that season, season eight, The Inferno, is available right now at least on dailymotion.com. Uh, if you want to binge it before listening or after or with whatever you want to do, I'll be posting a bunch of clips and things from The Inferno on our Instagram page at Challenge Historian over the next two or three days here. So follow me there if you want to catch those. And I'm hopeful to have Season 9, Battle of the Sexes 2, up uh, next Monday. That is the goal right now, so keep that train rolling. So as always, make sure you're just following, subscribe, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Hit the follow, hit the subscribe, hit that five-star rating. I don't know, maybe maybe throw one of those our way as well. But that way you don't miss any of the rewatch series as those podcasts drop at their very infrequent and somewhat random pace that they have been coming. Aside from that, we're all set to go, so let's head on down to hot and sweaty Panama to do some math on the side of a building, and as always, we will kick it off with our Cliff Notes recap. First things first here, we've got to recap everything that just went down on yet another, I, the, the biggest, I sound like a broken record a lot on this podcast, but 
Uh, one of the times I sound like the most broken of broken records is saying a lot happened in this episode. They pack a whole lot in. It seems like All-Stars even more than Flagship or honestly any other show not named Survivor. Survivor is the only thing I think can think of right now that comparatively just packs so much into one little episode of, you know, every little moment matters. They only have enough, so much time. So, you know, they give us an entire, you know, Wes, Nehemiah, Brad friendship story in like 12 seconds so that they can move on to the next thing. And so a lot happened. We're going to recap it all as quickly as we can. The entire plot of episode four, All Stars 3. Here we go. Three, two, one, and we are off. We open with an off day, which means a ceasefire has been called, and everyone's laughing. They're playing beer pong. They're having a great time. Game talk is still going on, though, and Kayla, Sylvia versus Kendall, Kellyanne rivalry is only growing. Plus, Darrell, we know, still doesn't like heights, which, when we head to the daily challenge, that's too bad for Darrell because it involves heights. It's called high stakes. In groups of three that they think maybe they're choosing teams of three, no, you're picking who you're going to go against. Groups of three, they walk out on a plank 150 feet in the air, have to solve a math puzzle. The first of the three to do so drops their two competitors down. The six heat winners make up the authority. The two to win their heat, the fastest, get sabotages next time around. This time around, though, it's Brad throwing his sabotage sabotage on MJ, his second in a row, and Kayla going at Kendall with her sabotage. The Heat winners end up being, and the new authority ends up being, Brad, MJ, Mark, Veronica, John A, and Kayla, with Brad taking home his second straight win for the men, and Kayla her third straight win for the women. Darrell chose not to compete, which meant DQ straight to elimination. And oh yeah, I almost forgot. Beth is here. TJ brought her in as a replacement for the two women that left last episode, and she is already scared of heights and quit. So DQ straight to elimination for newcomer Beth. Back at the house, the whole crew goes for a night out drinking, dancing, scheming. Of course, Veronica and Beth try to clear the air from way back on Inferno 2, and it does not work, like at all. Guess they just won't be friends. Post-night out, Jordan and Naya decide to finally act on the sexual tension they've been feeling, which is possibly good timing because at the same time, the authorities getting together and they decide that Jordan will be going into the elimination, as will Kendall. At the arena, they play Steamroller. You get inside a steel barrel on a platform, have to try and roll that barrel in your direction working against your opponent, doing it the same in the other direction. The first to get that barrel to roll all the way to their end of the platform, they win. Now, weight is a major advantage in this and proves to be all Beth needs to find a rhythm and dispatch Kendall rather quickly, the game officially losing the most wonderful person involved in it. On the men's side, it seems like Darrell has the upper hand early, moving within a few feet of his end, but Jordan... Oh, Jordan, he pulls a classic Jordan and figures out how exactly he can find a way to win this. He stalls out, holds his ground, and then spends nearly an hour talking shit to Darrell and coaxing him, waiting for him to give up. It more or less works as Darrell gets some combination of tired and overheated. His entire leg sees up pretty bad on him. He's got to climb out, let Jordan win before being taken off by medical to get his legs and cramps worked on. Jordan and Beth are back in the game. We say goodbye to Kendall and Darrell, and we end the episode with one Kellyanne very clearly mad and ready to tear this game up next time. That is everything that went down on this episode. So now let's dive into the biggest storylines to come out of this episode and kind of walk our way through uh, all the, the biggest happenings of everything that happened. And there's only one place we can start. Obviously, the biggest, the biggest story of this episode has to be that the one and only Beth has been brought into the game. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of injuries. 
by Tina and Jemmy leaving. So I brought in a replacement. I hope she's not strong. I hope, I hope I can beat her. <laughs> My eyesight's not that great. All I can see is like blonde hair flying. Fuck, is it bad? <laughs> I am just a few years away from retirement and I need this money. <laughs> oh my god, it's fucking Beth. I have not seen Beth in 15 years. The Beth that I knew back then was the worst. Ethically, Beth does some really weird stuff. the original all-stars it is beth ladies and gentlemen they had to bring somebody that's going to give y'all the shit you want to see so here you go beth is here and uh the first thing we've got to say before we get anything about beth being here our feelings on that her performance this episode is this uh not empty i almost said mtv not mtv paramount uh tj um, the editors, uh, specifically the editors of the trailer and even more specifically the editors and producers behind the This Week on segment. You got me. You got me again. I can't believe I let it happen, but you got me. You, you, I just, I feel dumb. You make me feel dumb every season. You always put some stuff in the trailer or in the This Next Week on or the This Season on, and I'm like, oh, they put these three clips together, and that means this is going to happen. But no, you dummy, it's not. That's not going to happen. They're just getting you, giving you, you know, the. They're misleading you. They're giving you the best possible case thing. That's not actually what's taking place, though. This is a part of this. This is a part of that. They've clipped it all together to make it look like that. You know this, Jacob. What are you doing? You know that they're trying to get you, but no, you let it happen every single time. And this season, they dropped two episodes on us day one. And after episode two, there's a this season on. And in the this season on, we see a spliced together little segment where TJ says, I've brought in reinforcements. Then Johnny Bananas' face is on the screen. Then Wes Bergman is all pissed off. And we dumb, dumb, dumb challenge historian commentators like me out here watch that and immediately, even though we know better, let our brains go to, holy shit, Bananas is a mercenary. Bananas is a replacement. Bananas is going to be here and he's going to fuck over Wes and this is going to be incredible. Oh my God, I can't believe this is going to happen. And I can't believe they told us it's going to happen before it even happened. And that's because it's not going to happen. This is the reinforcement uh, clip is Beth coming into the game. I went back and watched again a little more closely this time around. And it looks like Bananas is calling in over a Zoom more than less. So I don't know. I think he will. His face, his voice, he will appear at some point this season, it seems. But not in any sort of actual impact on the game or playing in the game, I don't think. I hope I'm wrong. I hope somehow he actually is a mercenary. I hope I'm wrong about all this. I hope they didn't mislead us that much. And they actually will use mercenaries this season because I've always wanted mercenaries on All-Stars. It's an easy way to get a couple more OG legends to pop in for one episode if they can't do a full season. I always like the mercenary twists in the elimination. So hopefully I'm wrong, but it seems like I got got yet again in that there, there is no bananas showing up. There is no mercenaries. There is just the editors of the trailers tricking myself and 
hopefully a few of you along with me. Hopefully I'm not the only one that feels completely dumb and played in this scenario, but I might, I very well might be. I just allowed myself to run with the idea of how great this, this thing they were selling could possibly be, even though I knew in my heart of hearts, if I would have thought about it, I'd been like, no, 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 you've, you've done this before. They've gotten you before. But anyway, so I got, got you're, you got me again, but moving on. Beth is here. And uh, Beth comes into the game as a replacement after both Tina and Jemmy left last episode for an injury in a family medical situation, respectively. So they're down two. They didn't have an elimination, so they were only down one. And now this episode, they bring one in to even the numbers back up. And I've got to say, respectfully, I do, I really love Beth and I am entertained by Beth and I think she was an absolute OG legend who always brought entertainment to our screens throughout all of her appearances on the challenge in its early days and all of her flagship days. But I'm honestly bummed that she is the replacement on this season uh, for a couple of reasons. First one is that we know on somewhat good authority from Tina's side of things as well as some some little nuggets that have come out from some of the spoiler accounts and things uh that what i'm about to say is not some big spoiler for the season so uh those spoiler phobic like myself don't worry you don't have to skip forward here but uh tina i think came out on twitter uh within the last week and said how i, I hope i have this right i don't have it actually pulled up in front of me but said how uh she was approached before the season beth and tina were both supposed to be on this season together uh beth requested that tina apologize to her before she did a season with her if you don't remember bat the last time those two were together tina was punching beth in the face um, and getting kicked off and telling tj that it was 100 percent worth it and so they don't like each other they have that pass it seems like they have not spoken ever again since then and tina was told you need to apologize, send, give her an apology, and then you can both do the season. She says, I'm not apologizing. Beth says, I'm not doing the season then. And now, assuming all of that is, is true, we haven't heard Beth's side. So, uh, you know, respectfully, grain of salt, whatever you want to say. Um, we haven't heard both of them speak on it. Maybe we will sometime in the future. But it feels a little weird if we know that to be true and the excitement that would have been there if we would have got to have Beth and Tina together on a season and what would have happened. Having Beth then replace Tina feels really, it just kind of feels weird and just a little off to me. So that's part of it. The other part of it, though, is that it doesn't feel like Beth is there to compete. And All Stars has walked this incredibly fine line, this incredible balance, and has done so, so perfectly of bringing back all these fan favorites, all these people we used to love and want to see on our televisions again to give them a chance to, you know, show us what they're up to now, what they're still capable of. And they walk this balance of everyone's there to have a good time, to have the experience, to reminisce with all these people, to see old friends, old flames, old rivals, and have the the experience of it, but also to compete and to see what they've still got and to prove what they've still got. And they walk this kind of competition, the show versus sport balance that makes the challenge great. They all walk it so, so well. And they are all there to compete and see and really put themselves on the line. It does not feel like Beth is doing that as much. It feels like she's there more or less to film another real world season. Honestly, it feels like that's what she's desires more than anything that she doesn't really desire the actual game, the competition, but more just the experience of being in the house with the people and kind of filming a real world season, making good television, but not the game stuff, which isn't new. It kind of felt like that uh, when Beth was back on the flagship show and she wasn't the only one back then. It felt that was a real thing that kind of happens through I've really kind of been noticing it throughout uh, doing a rewatch 
of the show, but um, like I just got done with the Inferno and David on the Inferno kind of feels like, hey, he's coming from the real world and he's kind of looking, he's having fun with the challenges, but he doesn't care. It's not the driving force of why he's there. He's there just to have paid vacation, hang out in the house and kind of do real world. And that happened with a, a handful of people over the span as they brought people in from the real world there was an obvious like, uh, they're not necessarily all as jazzed up about the whole competition side of things. And now it feels like that's how Beth feels coming into this. You know, obviously she quits immediately on the daily challenge. So that's, you know, a part of it too. But I want the competitors and I want, uh, as respectfully as I can say it, I want the female side of the cast to be as stacked and loaded. If we're gonna, if we're gonna make the male cast what it is this season as far as from a competitive athletic standpoint where it's like, Literally any of these people can win. Like I have no, I, I have no idea. You know, it's going to depend on what eliminations certain people go against each other. What's in the final? But they're all, they're all absolute killers still at whatever ages they come into the show at. And on the female side, they're all people I want to see again, and they're all people that can make great television. But they're not all. They're all everyone there does want to compete, but they're not all quite on the same level, the way it feels like it is on the men's side. Um, and that's, you know, starting to be showcased by the fact that Kayla is literally just winning every single competition, but it makes me, you know, ask like, where is the Emily Schramms? Where is Evelyn? Where is Cara Maria? Where is Laurel? Where are just any, not even, I mean, I just might've mentioned the four best female players of all time. So, you know, maybe that's asking a lot, but Whereas like last season, it was so great. Janelle was such a perfect addition to the cast last season this is what John A has been the first few seasons, all three seasons now that she's been on where come in and they're there ready to compete. And they're, you know, given the competition, they're all improving themselves to be really worthy competitors that can bring it. And I love that. I want to see more of that. And so when you bring in Beth and I'm like, it feels weird that she's replacing Tina instead of the two of them having been there together to see what, you know, if they could resolve that or what would happen. And it seems like she's not really there to compete. It leaves me a little wanting. But uh, as she's want to do, Beth does provide the entertaining good television. So, you know, I by the end of the episode, I start to eat those words a little bit. Maybe throughout the season, I'm going to have to eat those words even more. But we will see the rest of Beth's story. Then she comes in. She quits immediately. First challenge, daily challenge, which, you know, is the whole, you know, not really seeming like wanting to compete. I get it. Heights are scary, but you're on the challenge. You're coming back onto the challenge. You know that heights are going to be a big, big part of it. And you're going to have to overcome that. You're going to have to do it. You're coming in, you're coming in midway through the season. So you target on your back for that. You're coming into a house with a lot of people who have bad blood with you, target on your back for that. And then you're going to just immediately quit in the first daily challenges, be like, I'll just go to elimination, even bigger target. So just setting herself up for failure, even if she eventually wins this elimination. Um, and then one of the funniest moments of the entire episode is she gets to the house and she finds out she has a friend right away. Kendall, sweet, loving, wonderful person. Kendall, of course, is not only a sweet and wonderful person who's like, I'm going to make this person feel at home, but also is like, yes, someone else who's older in challenge years and an actual OG. I got all these new kids coming in here trying to kick me out. Maybe I've got a new ally. So Beth, here we go. Let's do a tour of the rooms. And they get up to the treehouse and the treehouse Treehouse, uh, they've got some vacancy, but they quickly see Beth coming and they quickly want to change that sign from vacancy to no vacancy as quickly as they can. Welcome to the treehouse. How do you like it? <laughs> like, so which, bed, which beds are available in here? Up here? 
I really don't know anything about Beth. Her real world season was in the early 90s and I was born in 1992, so I was probably an infant when she first arrived on the scene. If you could find a bottom bunk, it'd probably be... I believe that the treehouse is actually closed for any new people trying to live live here. This is what it feels like getting down. It's a little fun. Yeah. I like to jump down. We're closed, Beth. We're not accepting any more people. Ready? It's nice. Next room? Yeah. I'm rooming with Jarrell and Kendall. The room is really nice and quiet, which I like, because I want to make sure I get enough rest, because tomorrow I'm going into elimination. Yay! Go Yay. challenge. Let's go eat. <laughs> It may have been a little awkward, but they pull it off. They find a way to, mostly thanks to the fact that Kendall is looking for another ally in the game. So Kendall drags her down. It's like, no, you can be in my room with me and Darrell. It's quiet. It's nice here. Um, Treehouse doesn't want her. So that, that alliance isn't happening for sure. But that's mostly in part. Derek doesn't certainly doesn't really necessarily want her there. But Veronica doesn't really want her in the treehouse either. But then when they go out later, we do get, while we never get the chance to have a Beth Tina attempted kumbaya attempted resolution to things that happened in the past we do get an attempt by veronica and beth to bury the hatchet and put uh to bed some feelings from previous uh previous things that happened mainly on the inferno 2 and let it you know it just doesn't really go so well they pop up uh together it starts calm they're at the little the club the bar whatever they're at the beachside bar, whatever it is, they're having a conversation and then they pop up. Ooh, they're doing a joint interview. Where have I seen this before? I've seen this one other real place before. Now, we have seen a couple times. They've started to do it a little recently, but we'll see the joint interview maybe with uh, a couple, like a relationship and the, uh, the two people together uh, talking all lovey-dovey. That's great. But the only the other time we see it is like when a Wes and Bananas, oh, they're rivals? No, actually, they're working together. So the moment these two pop onto the screen, I'm thinking, whoa, this scene's going to end with Veronica and Beth totally burying the hatchet and totally working together and allies and buddies and friends. That's not how it ended. So the last time we saw each other was in 2005 when we were on the Inferno 2. We had awkward dealings. I was really, really hurt from the past of things that, like, happened. There's nothing that I've ever done to you that you should be really, really hurt by. I mean, you did, but that was a long time ago. I mean, I, I really don't know why we were not friends. I just don't think that we vibed as people. Beth was perceived as someone that, you kind of like the cameras, kind of like the drama. You don't think you know you You go to the end and you will do anything. You sell your family up the river to win and somebody new should win. That's what I think. Deserve this conversation. Oh, whatever. For you to sit here and say that I wanted attention, I was not having threesomes and showers okay. knowing that the cameras were there. So for you to call me out and say that you think I wanted attention is not is not cool. Okay? But because you did a just, lot of shit. You should you did a lot of stuff. It's not just so. my opinion though. Okay, I don't care. Okay. That's the past and we're different people now. Yeah. I had, 
I was also a little taken back. I had forgotten everything we just listened to. I had forgotten uh, that that had happened. Um, there's just so much that goes down in challenge history, and uh, especially having just rewatched the Inferno one. Uh, Inferno two is kind of blocked out. And I was thinking of Veronica versus Katie, not Veronica versus Beth, but. Some words were definitely spilled back on the Inferno 2, and those words still sting all these years later, and both ladies seem to still believe the words they said all back then. And so uh, the the difference between then and now is that they both seem some combination of mature enough or apathetic enough or just bored enough with the idea of them trying to be friends or anything that they both just realize this is all pointless but why blow it up? Why why make some big scene this time around? Why not just ignore each other and move on, which is kind of what they do. They sit there kind of in silence by the end of that conversation and just then it's like, okay, didn't really work, but uh, that's fine. We're, we'll both be here and we'll be cordial and good. We'll just move on, ignore it, which is the right move and is, you know, it shows, shows growth for certain, um, even if it doesn't show growth in a friendship. It shows growth in people. So that's great. And then we get to the end of the episode and Beth is in the elimination and she wins, and it has to be said, it is an elimination tailor-made for her. Um, Beth, her biggest asset in the game, strength and size. She's got strength and size over all the women, um, most of the women, or a lot of them. That's what she always had back in the day. It's what she has now. Maybe her competitive fire doesn't burn as bright as everyone else. Maybe she isn't as agile. I don't remember what her history necessarily would be with puzzles. Um, I don't. I certainly don't remember any, like, oh, Beth, Beth can't do puzzles or something like that, which, um, but I also don't remember some puzzle queen. So run of the mill as is everyone can do puzzles, cannot do puzzles, whatever. So, you know, uh, but really where, where she excels when she's had really big moments, one eliminations in the past is when it comes down to size and strength. She's got that. And this one comes down to size and strength and she takes out Kendall and, um, you know, I feel so bad for Kendall. I'll just say that now we'll talk about her again in a little bit, but I love Kendall to death. She is just, she's the best. And, uh, it's been so much fun watching her on all three seasons of all stars, even if they've all three ended in where she would probably say in disappointment, even if I think she has performed incredibly well and has certainly come off as, as she truly is, as this wonderful, kind, sweetheart of a human and badass athlete and competitor, she just gets the she gets the wrong elimination versus the wrong person. And uh, you know, at first, when they first start, I'm thinking, okay, Beth has the size and strength, yeah, that's that's for sure. But Kendall, the yoga really, you know, it comes in handy in so many ways. And I'm thinking in this. It's one thing to have more weight on your side. That's definitely if you can figure out the right way to use it and the right strategy, that's the number one thing you want in this game. But the other thing is dexterity and core strength and being able to manipulate your body's weight and where you're putting pressure. And I felt like the yoga would really come in handy. And it does seem early on, you know, Kendall figures out how to move the thing easier, which I don't think comes back to that yoga background of figuring out how to use her weight in her leverage and the, her strength in the right way. So she gets a good start, but uh, Beth takes it in the end. And as we said before, you know, Beth does make great TV. Somehow, some way, even if it means everyone continues to dislike her, um, even if it means, you know, I'm, I watch this episode and I'm like, ah, you deserve to be here as much as anyone. You are an OG legend, but I'm a little bummed out that, uh, that after everything I thought this twist, this thing was going to be, it's just, actually just Beth showing up, but 
as she always does, the, the television's great. Even if I'm a little upset with her throughout the episode, I'm like, you're really quitting. Come on. Oh, now you're knocking Kendall out. Like, I know you didn't pick to go against her. You were trying to work with her, but now you're knocking out Kendall. Like, I'm so, I'm upset at all of this, but I'm also interested and, you know, entertained by all of it. So yet again, Beth proves that she's always a value add to these seasons. Even, you know, there's got to be people you either root against or you dislike. There's got to be people for people in the house to dislike. They can't all just be friends. It gets a little boring that way. So, uh, so yeah, that's Beth. Beth, Beth is back. She's in and she's one, she's staying around and I have a good feeling she's going to be very prominent in the storylines to continue on this season. Next storyline, then uh, we'll just go ahead and talk about some of the athletic events. We'll talk about the daily challenge called High Stakes. Another one that slight letdown is, and it's again, it's a little bit of a theme of this episode and last episode. It's why I call these two, the episode three and four, kind of this this inflection point of there's still a lot of great stuff going on. There's still None of the potential for this unbelievable epic season has been squandered in any way, but there's little cracks or there's little missed opportunities where episode one and two, it's like A plus, A plus. Like, as good as the challenge gets, as good episodes of reality competition television as it possibly gets, like 10 out of 10, 100 out of 100, A plus. Holy shit, I can't believe this is so good. And then episode three and four, where it's like, this is still really good. I'm still really enjoying this. And I still feel like we may even be able to somehow get back to that A plus level for future episodes for the end of the season, for the whole season as a whole, which is an unbelievable thing to be talking about again. So this it's one of those things where you're trying, where you're talking about, you know, an A plus versus an A and A minus a B plus, like all of that is good. So it sounds like we're talking like the show, the last two episodes have sucked when it's anything but. They've been very good, highly, highly good to great episodes. But just those first two episodes got me so jazzed up of like, oh my God, this may be the greatest season of all time. Like we've got two flawless episodes to start the season. Holy shit. Like we're, we're really riding as high as we can ride. And then of course you're going to come down from that a little bit. And we're kind of in that weird, like, are we actually coming down from that? Or is this just a kind of, some people went out, some people come in a little reshuffling and like, it is going to pull off getting back there and being, you know, one of the greatest seasons ever. Um, but this daily challenge is another one where it's like all the potential in the world, but a slight letdown in the fact that, can we not afford 18 planks and 18 math puzzles? Like, why is this six heats of three? Um, can we not do multiple rounds at least? Could this not be, you know, six heats and then all six winners, you know, do two more rounds and then the two winners of that do a final round or whatever. Um, but it's just, it's confusing who's going to get last place. It is fun that they try, you know, they pull the, you know, get in groups of three, mixed gender doesn't matter just whatever team, like groups of three you want. Everyone thinks, oh, are these going to be teams or what is this going to be? Nope, that's actually who you're going against. And therefore, when you do a Nehemiah, Brad, Wes, and you're a trio of alliances, you're one of you're going to be jeopardizing each other. You may, in the end, what Wes gets lucky that he would have been in elimination if not for the disqualification. Um, and so that's like a fun little wrinkle, but it just feels like, you know, all of them doing the one same math problem you know, it's fun to watch them all fall. Uh, as always, they do great camera work with the falls, uh, especially Jordan's really, they really like hype up his fall. He has a great time with his little bungee, but it feels like they could have done multiple rounds. It could have all went at the same time. They something, they could have made it a little bit more. 
Um, shout out to Sylvia and Naya. That's the next thing about the daily challenge. Both absolutely terrified to do it, but both eventually do it. Uh, Sylvia, especially, I loved the back and forth between Sylvia and TJ and then Kelly Ann as well getting in on it. Right now, questioning my life choices. I don't feel good. I feel nauseous. Might panic, might puke, might. There's a lot of things going on. <laughs> oh, you're all right. Calm down. Take a deep breath. Not the fall that kills you. It's the sudden stop at the end. That's the only bad part. Okay. You're okay, Sal. Deep breath. <laughs> oh, my God. Sylvia is freaking out. It's hilarious and kind of irritating. Call it quits. It'd be great if we got rid of her. It'll be fine. <laughs> you're fine. Yeah. I'm good. If you want to DQ, I'll say your name first. <laughs> You're so kind, Kelly. Thank you so much. You selfless, selfless being. Selfless. <laughs> that was some really fun and kind of cheeky gameplay from Kellyanne. And, you know, Sylvia, absolutely terrified, but knows I have to get up there and do this. She does. Same thing with Naya. We will talk more about her because what she says in response to having to stand up on top of that building will be nominated for quote of the week. Um, so shout out to both of them. Terrified. They do it. The two that don't, Darrell and Beth. We already talked about Beth. She quits. It's a bummer. Whatever. Darrell also quits. Um, and we're led to kind of know that this is about to happen by the immediate comments before we go to the daily with Darrell saying that he's scared of heights talking about it. And then of course, we're going to show up to something with heights. And of course it's not going to go well for Darrell. Um, he quits. He, at least two things with his, you know, it's still a bummer. Like, come on, man, you gotta, you, the, the thing is, it's interesting to hear him say he's gotten more and more scared of the heights over the years. It's gotten worse and worse when he's been on so many of these seasons, he's overcome this fear so many times he's done. I don't know that he's really, I can't remember another time that he's actually quit a heights based challenge. I think he's almost always done them. Um, this is another Interesting just when I'm rewatching old seasons versus doing these other podcasts, like having just watched the Inferno and watched literally two days ago, I was watching an episode where Darrell bungee jumps from 160 feet. And so like they're now 150 feet above with, with the bungee. So it's interesting that it, that's gotten worse and worse over the years and not been a thing where like he's done it 30 times, 30, 40, however many times he's done it and overcome it, but it's never made it go away or made it get easier or better. He's still scared. I like that he at least says, you know what? I'm willing to go into the elimination because TJ keeps mentioning these stars. And so maybe there's an, at least an advantage for me to go into elimination. Cause if I win, I'll have whatever the stars are worth. I'll have more of them. So he's at least thinking through that. So a little bonus points for that. And then I also love that TJ of, of all of them, TJ kind of needles Sylvia a little bit. Naya, not so much. He just kind of says, are you doing this or not? And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Um, he, he gives Beth a pretty hard time. And he also though gives Darrell maybe the hardest time of all of them. And not even the hardest time that he actually says no, but he pushes him the most openly. He's like, wait, you're going to do it. Come on, Darrell, turn around, like get out there. Come on. You, what are you talking about? You're going to do this. Come on. And he, he really kind of pushes on him and you can tell it's, it comes from a couple of places. TJ is certainly just more comfortable in the all-stars world because he knows these people a little bit more and that comfort allows him to do something like this, but also that singular comfort with, he knows Darrell really well. They've done, 
you know, however many seasons of the flagship together, now three seasons of All-Stars. And so he's seen Darrell win. He's seen Darrell win plenty of eliminations. He's seen Darrell compete. He has a level of respect for Darrell and a level of belief in knowing that what we just said of like, Darrell, I've seen you do that. Like, I know you're scared of heights. I'm well aware, but I'm also well aware that you always do all the height space things. You just don't like it. It's like, what's going on this time? So that's very interesting to always to keep seeing in the All-Stars world the relationship TJ has with all of the cast members and specific cast members, especially what he thinks of them, the relationships he has in that. Uh, so be it. Then uh, next thing, quick couple other quick things on the daily challenge. One, can we get my girl Veronica a booster seat? This seems a little unfair that they show her around and Naya's over here just, you know, casually has no fear of falling off on her own uh, to be able to do her little math problem. Veronica's over here on her tippy tiptoes, leaning out, like using the math problem to kind of balance against to be able to spin the things. Like, can we not, can we not height, you know, balance this out via everyone's height? Cause I'm, I'm sure they didn't show it, but like, I know Jeanne is a little bit shorter than most of the other women too. I bet she was also up on her tiptoes. It usually, for something like this, don't you, isn't it pretty easy to adjust by a couple inches the height of that math problem so that, you know, Mark Long and Veronica aren't using the same, literally the same plat, platform and puzzle in front of them to, you know, both be able to reach it when they're seven inches height difference between them. So that was kind of funny. And I'm glad it didn't, didn't stop Veronica from winning. Mark beat yes. That was one of my predictions for this week. When I saw math coming, I was like, oh, yes is going to win. Yes is in the authority. That's a guarantee. Doesn't happen. Mark beats him. Shout out Mark Long. You beat the mathematician of the challenge crew. That's a big, big win for him. Kayla strategy somehow works. I When she started her strategy of just turn one, say check, turn one, say check, did not think that was going to work out in any way. Also thought that TJ was going to get pissed at her or whoever that is actually doing the technical checks was going to get pissed. But in the end, it's a very good strategy because you looking back, there's only like, I think those are four-sided, maybe five-sided at most, but they seem to be four-sided, you know, cubes that they're spinning. And one side has the like blank question mark so that they can't see the problem ahead of time on it, which means there's only three, three, and three things to flip over or four things to flip over. The equal sign is there no matter what. Three numbers, one, you know, uh, multiplier, divide, add, subtract, whatever. So yeah, I guess there's only so many combinations. You can get through most of them pretty quickly, but there's also a chance that that takes a really long time versus just doing one basic math problem, which for most of them, it seemed maybe possibly different in each one, but it was like, you know, 32 minus 11 equals 23 or something like 34 minus 11 equals 23, something like that. It was very easy is what I'm trying to say. So I can't believe her strategy worked, but it does. And then the final thing we kind of referenced earlier, Wes gets very lucky, as does Kellyanne. They both, um, fair or not, because again, it wasn't who does this math problem the slowest. It was whoever does it fastest kind of picks the person that's the slowest. And Wes and Kellyanne would have been on the losing end of that if not for DQs. So very lucky for the two of them. Third storyline of the episode, a little bit of a quick one. Kayla and Brad. Anyone want to beat them? Anyone? Anyone at all want to beat Kayla or Brad at any of these? Uh, Brad, a little bit less. Very good job by him. I don't think, though, anything that's happened so far is painting some outsized target on his back that's going to cause him a bunch of problems. Is everyone in the house being like, oh my God, Brad's winning everything? Because I think 
on the guy's side, everyone kind of looks at everyone in fear and everyone definitely has a Jordan is our competition in the finals. He's the only one that's kind of stands above everyone else in everyone's mind and maybe West from a scheming side. So I don't think Brad's all the winning is causing him any problems other than having to use the sabotages. Maybe he just keeps throwing it on MJ and he's like, MJ doesn't like me. So just keep throwing it over there. Could make enemies, but more so on the Kayla side of things, Kayla wins her third in a row. She's just kicking ass at all, all the things. And these are including physical. These are including puzzles. These are including math now. So she's round, well-rounded across the board. And at any point, is anyone else, anyone else on the female side going to stand up and be like, hey, what if we try to go for the, the young person who a lot of us older ones think is bullshit that these people are here in the first place? And also, she's kicking her ass at everything. And even more so, Veronica and Sylvia, who are super tight with Kayla, we'll talk, touch on the alliance check-in here in a moment. Veronica and Sylvia, are you really going to act like you're going to beat Kayla in a final? Because respectfully, Veronica's maybe my literal favorite challenger in history. And I'm still going to say like, Veronica, you're way smarter than this. You know that if you go to the final, Kayla, Kayla's going to win. Sylvia, I know you guys are besties and whatnot. So maybe you aren't going to ever want to do that to your bestie in the house, but Kayla's going to win this final. If you guys all just let her walk right to it. So at some point is her own alliance going to turn on her or, you know, is Ronnie going to be like, Hey, that seems like my biggest competition. Maybe I'd want to go against her. Is Jeanne, Naya, now Beth too? Any of those three going to bring up like, hey, I would like to win this season. And it seems like she's doing all the winning. Seems like the obvious person to get out is her. There is some, you know, tree house, anti-treehouse alliance brewing. And so I assume there will at some point at least be a Jeanne, Naya, Beth, maybe even Ronnie coming up with, uh, you know, should we try to get Kayla and Sylvia in there versus each other? Should we try to get Kayla and Veronica in there versus each other? Who can beat Kayla? Well, let's get them in versus them. Um, but at what point does someone bring up that this chick is winning everything um, and try to do something about it? I feel like her target has to be getting bigger, even if we haven't heard about it necessarily yet. Three straight wins, three out of four, uh, got to be painting a bigger and bigger target as as this goes. Speaking of the Treehouse Alliance, too, let's uh, quickly, before we move into any awards or anything, let's do a quick alliance check-in, just to uh, see where we're at. I actually drew out a, uh, tried to map out the alliances in the house, what exists, what ties there are, and I will I'll maybe post this on the <laughs> Challenge Instagram uh, stories here later today with this podcast, so you could kind of see my scribbles here. But I tried to figure this all out, and here's here's what we got right now. So the main alliance we know of, the one with a name this season, is the Treehouse Alliance, which consists of Kayla, Sylvia, Veronica, Ronnie, and Derek, aka the Treehouse, aka the their bedroom, which they lost Tina and Jemmy from last episode was a big loss for them, and which sub Treehouse. VIP room of the treehouse, if you will, is Kayla, Sylvia, and Veronica. Kayla and Sylvia are inseparable. Veronica seems to be created a trio with them. They are a tight three. Ronnie and Derek are a part of the treehouse, but they're kind of, as we alluded to before, and it even felt like even more this episode, they might be in the same bedroom. They might kind of feel safe, but uh, I don't know that they actually have the sway and the power within the group. I think it's really Kayla, Sylvia, and Veronica, and Ronnie and Derek are just numbers to them. Then you've got, you've got Derek also though, 
we know to be super tight with Mark, and we've seen now Mark and MJ are now super tight and seem to be aligned. Darrell was a part of that as well. He is now gone. So we got Derek, Mark, and MJ. So there's a crossover, Derek, in kind of two things going there. Same then with MJ. We have MJ and John A. Definitely, clearly, you know, a pair working together. And so is John A with also Mark and Derek, or is that just two separate on their own? Then we've got Wes, Nehemiah, and Brad. Um, those three are very much working together. That is a trio for sure. And then we've got some couple little pairings of Jordan and Naya. They're kind of out on their own, but they are definitely working together. Yes is either by himself now that Jemmy's gone or is definitely still got the Veronica connection. So maybe he's got a little treehouse or VIP treehouse connection. And then you've got Kellyanne and Beth just kind of floating out on their own. So there's kind of a lot of just pairs and trios going on. There isn't necessarily the big, the way they keep saying treehouse, 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 it doesn't really feel like five. It really feels like three, and it feels like we got other groups of three and three and two and two and a couple solos. So this game's wide open from a strategy and alliance standpoint, and it made me think they they dropped a couple hints last episode of, you know, an old school versus new school uh you know, with Kayla and Sylvia really representing the new school, but even others, a Naya, a Jordan, a Wes, even, um, I, I don't know if Nehemiah's grandfathered into old school just because he's been on all three seasons of All-Stars or if they're going to then be like, you're still younger, so, uh, you know, you're new school. But then this episode, we get it even more, even though it's Kendall and Beth that talk about it, and then Beth ends up having to go against Kendall in the elimination, beating her, but they bring up, deliberately bring up the words like, I want more OGs. I want more old school players. Let's take these new, these kids out of the game. And I feel like we're being set up for that to possibly happen. So I tried to draw out if they were to break into some sort of old school, new school, the new school for sure would be Kayla, Sylvia, Jordan, and Naya. And it feels very much to me like Jordan and Naya, uh, they, if they want to attach themselves to any other alliance, they need to get on board with Kayla and Sylvia stat and, for Kayla and Sylvia, yeah, Naya, bring Naya into the fold. Maybe they don't want to run a final against Naya, but uh, having an ally like Jordan that's going to you know, possibly be winning a bunch and in the authority a bunch, that could be good. So those four would definitely be on a new school side. An old school side, there would definitely be Beth, Mark, Ronnie, Derek, yes. And then the kind of middle ground is where it's like Brad, Kellyanne, MJ, John A, Wes, Nehemiah, those six, would they all go old school? Would they go new school? Would a Beth, Mark, Ronnie, Derek, yes. Would they be like, yo, Brad, you, you're with us, but like Wes and Nehemiah, you're not. You're going you're going new school. Sorry, you're too young. You've played the game more recently. Would MJ be like, I'm going over there. Would John A be like, I'm kind of like new school and also MJ come with me. And yeah, if we get Wes and Nehemiah, suddenly we have more people on this side. What would Kellyanne do now that her only you know big friend in the house is gone? I don't know, but it feels like we're being led to the, this treehouse thing isn't going to fully last, and maybe we get some sort of old school versus new school. But either way, the alliances are up in the air. It's all kinds of stuff going down, all kinds of pairings and trios, and that kind of makes for the best, you know, the most suspenseful, the most interesting game. So really looking forward to seeing where where this goes, how this plays out, and who aligns with who, who backstabs who, because it feels like we're in for the possi- high possibility of some people being quite surprised, quite shocked by an authority selection coming up here really soon. Final thing in the storylines world to touch on is just what we started last week, the random one-offs. These are not full storylines. They're just random little things that I just want to point out that happened in this episode and either made me laugh or smile or 
cringe or just in some way was like, ooh, wow, that, that you know, that's interesting or entertaining or something to that effect. And just small little moments that deserve a little shout out. There was a bunch of them this episode. Very quickly, your first one, beer pong with glass highball glasses. Them some classy motherfuckers. That is the classiest game of beer pong I have ever seen using glass highball glasses instead, you know, traditional solo cups or anything else. Um, them some classy, these some classy people, you know, in this, in this all-stars house. So that was really fun. Brad on the flamingo floaty. Uh, I love that they pan back to where they show it like three times over in like a 40 second stretch. Him just this massive, biggest flamingo floaty I've ever seen. Um, massive, massive thing. He's just on it, jumping, kind of acting like the flamingos, you know, putting their front feet up in the air. They don't have front feet and back feet. They only have two feet, but you know what I'm trying to say. He's just having the time of his life on that thing, and it's very fun and funny to see Brad and his big old beard flopping around on the flamingo floaty. Then, next one, they get to the daily challenge, and Wes says to TJ as they walk in, quote, hey, you sick fuck, which, (laughs) uh, it's just very awkward. Uh, TJ doesn't respond, or uh, at least they don't show him responding. No one says anything about it. It just kind of happens and goes on. But it was very weird and uh, picked up on it and felt real awkward about it. Next one, then, we do get, I referenced earlier, Wes, Nehemiah, Brad, uh, super strong trio. Through the first few episodes, we had heard and found out that Brad was, you know, like Wes was his number one, essentially. We were going to defend him, work with him, the whole thing. And we were kind of like, okay, don't know 100% where this comes from. We get, while very brief, uh, more backstory. We knew Wes and Nehemiah super close. Didn't know they were close to the level of Wes officiated Nehemiah's wedding, I believe he said. And that then Wes said he was in Brad's wedding. Or no, Nehemiah officiated Wes's wedding. I'm getting that backwards. Sorry. Nehemiah officiated Wes's wedding and was in, and Wes then was in Brad's wedding. And so the Wes Brad connection I didn't realize was such a deep, long standing relationship because that, you know, wedding, I assume. Brad has been married once, to my knowledge, which was to Tori, who was on the challenge with. You know, they got married post Cutthroat, which was in two thousand and like eight. I'm 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 way off, possibly on that two thousand and like eleven, maybe. But either way, it's been a while, so decade plus that Wes and Brad have been very very close. They show a couple of clips of them on the duel. They did run the duel final versus each other, and that's definitely you know where they met and everything. But so they're way closer than we knew off camera. And so that solidifies those three definitely working together. And like getting, I like getting those little moments of backstory and explaining. There are so many of these relationships off the screen now coming into the house that I like getting the explanation of them, at least even if it's brief, to tell us on screen what's going on. Next little random one off. This is the second time in a row that they go out to whatever, you know, a little beachside bar, restaurant area. And when they go, they give a little 30-second montage of everyone arriving and getting drinks and dancing, this, that, and the other. And during this montage, second out of two times that they have gone to an establishment like this this season, and second time that during the montage, we see Kellyanne feeding some what must be stray dog or stray animal. It's a dog. uh, Feeding a dog, finding a dog to feed at the club. We know Kellyanne, massive animal lover, has a bunch of fur babies of her own, huge, huge, huge animal lover, and it's just... It, it makes me smile every time. Like she just immediately is like, I don't need to dance and drink yet. First, let me find some food. Then let me find an animal to give that food to. Loved that. And then the final random one off, love seeing Naya and Jordan happy. They, uh, they 
they finally act on the sexual tension that they've been feeling, not only in this house, but it sounds like outside of the show for a little while. And we see them, you know, maybe getting in bed, cuddling up together. And just in general, love seeing the two of them happy and enjoying uh, enjoying themselves and their lives and this experience and everything else. So those are all your little random one-offs. Those are all your storylines. With that then, let's touch on a few more things from the episode by handing out a couple of awards. Three awards to hand out. We will start with the best quote. The first nominee would be Darrell, who in explaining his fear for heights that still exists and explaining to us that that fear of heights has not only continued but gotten worse over the years, he's always had a flair for saying some specific words, funny uh, kind of start. Actually, yet again, all the ties to the Inferno season. Maybe it's just because I just watched it. I'm sorry for referencing it so many times. Selfless plug again. You can listen to the full recap podcast of the Inferno, previous episode that posted to this one you're listening to now. But back on Inferno, Darrell always called it the Inferno. And he had a little flair for saying words funny and being in on the joke throughout his time in the challenge. And now he's very self-aware, kind of playing on his own character. And so in this one, he says the following. I just can't wait to see you high above something. Oh. Terrell. That'd be something. <laughs> That'll make for good TV. I do not like heights, and it feels like it only get, is getting worse. I've been thinking about it. I need to go to a hypnosis, a hypnotosis, so I could get rid of this height shock. Yeah. I ain't gonna fuck with my sleep. Wouldn't that be something? A hypnotosis, which... Turns out he really does, he needs something. Uh, if he's going to keep doing the challenges, which I'm glad to hear him say at the end, even after Eliminated saying, you know, I'm not done. I'm going to probably for sure be back again. Uh, hypnosis or otherwise, something to find a way to get back over the fear of heights because he's done it so many times before. It was, it was odd to see him overcome by it this time around, um, even if there was some strategy involved. Second nominee for quarter of the week then is TJ, who... <laughs> He's so comfortable razzing these people at this point. It's so great. We talked about it before. And got to be said that if anyone is allowed to make a joke about falling to your death or near death, it is him. Not the fall that kills you. It's the sudden stop at the end. That's the only bad part. Then our third nominee for quote of the week is Ronnie, who I really like the, the whole vibe of, you know, Previously in the flagship, all through the history of the challenge, there would occasionally be the person that gets in a fight or has a, a hookup they regret or something like that and comes in confessional is like, man, one day I'm going to have kids and they're going to watch this and that's going to be, what are they going to think about that? And now in the all-stars world, we have people actually with kids and not just with kids, but kids that are plenty old enough to be watching the show thinking in real time, uh, I'm going to literally watch this with my kid at the time and what are they going to think? And Ronnie uh, isn't nervous about yelling at someone or hooking up with someone or anything of that nature. She's worried about being worse at math than her children are. I'm nervous about not winning. I'm nervous about falling. I'm nervous about math. I'm nervous about life. I'm nervous that my kids are going to see the answer before I do when they watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, then, the fourth and final nominee for the quote of the week is Naya. We referenced it earlier and waited to play it for you, but... She is not happy about the heights. She does overcome it, but not before dropping what is not just a nominee, but is the winner of the quote of the week. I'm thinking about tearing a page out of Darrell's book right now. <laughs> oh my God. I'm either going to vomit fate or pee on myself. 
We then move into this next award, the best moment of the episode. I believe we have talked about all of these scanning through. Yeah, all of them but one. Uh, so we, first nominee, Brad on the Flamingo Floaty. I just, it's so, it's so much fun. Uh, we will definitely post that clip probably multiple times on our challenge Instagram. Probably keep that one in the back pocket for long-term. Love it, love it, love it. Second nominee, TJ Sylvia Kellyanne on top of the building. We referenced it earlier. We played the sound from it. We've actually now played the sound from it twice because uh, TJ's quote during it. That whole moment, the exchange between the three of them is great, great, great. Then third nominee, the treehouse being closed for Beth. Really liked that entire interaction and just Beth's kind of introduction into the house and the cast welcoming her or not welcoming her that much into the house. Fourth nominee, Veronica and Beth's joint interview gone bad. We talked about that before, played that for you. That moment was a standout one from the show. And then the fifth and final nominee is the one uh, athletic event of the show that we did not touch on at all yet. And so we might as well go ahead and talk about it now. And that is the men's elimination, which is not just nominated, but is the winner of the best moment of the episode. And there's some strong bias at play here. If you listen to the season preview, if you've paid attention to this podcast in any form for any length of time, you have probably come across the fact and realized that I am a massive, massive fan of one Jordan Wisely. And for a lot of a whole bunch of reasons, But one of the reasons the most and why I'm not only just a fan of his, but the argument part of a big part of his argument for possibly being, you know, certainly being in the discussion for the greatest player of all time. And if you want to try to bridge the gap between him and a bananas and CT that I think kind of unquestionably sit at the top of that discussion in some order in the gap that exists is, well, he's only done six seasons and they've done, you know, 20 or whatever. And so three, three wins, four finals, all the eliminations wins, everything. He's unbelievably great, but doesn't quite, there's just not enough on the resume quite yet to catch up to the accounting stats that those other two have gotten. One of the big arguments to bridge that gap is the Jordan just is simply his ability in this game goes so far beyond everyone else's to find a way to win anything that is in front of him. And this elimination is yet another moment of what is my path to victory? And if no matter what that path is, I will go down it and that will be, you know, I'll win or lose with it. But even when the odds are stacked against me, even when I have some obvious disadvantages in whatever situation I'm put in, how do I find a way to win? And the greatest example of this in Jordan's uh, illustrious career is certainly the, I reference it all the time, but maybe my favorite elimination ever, the most interesting and fun and cool to watch, War of the Worlds 2, Josh versus Jordan in the tug-of-war-esque challenge where Jordan, with you know one hand in a tug-of-war versus a guy that's bigger than him, knows that my path to victory in this isn't pulling Josh off. It is getting him off balance and getting him to fall off and therefore letting me win a round. And I've got to mentally figure out how to do this, how to trick him because he's going to pull this rope out of my hand before long. He finds a way he does it. It's unbelievable. It's epic. It's one, it's maybe my favorite elimination of all time. This is another one. He gets in, it's him versus Darrell. And it's one where, you know, as we talked about with Beth versus Kendall, size matters, strength matters. And it, it, Darrell has a little bit of weight on Jordan. Jordan knows this. They get in. The beginning, Darrell starts to get it creeping towards his side. He gets it down about, you know, of the ground Darrell needs to cover. He covers about 75 to 85% of it. He's damn close to his end. 
when Jordan figures out, okay, my game plan here is first, I just got to figure out how to get it to stop, how to stop Darrell from moving any further. I don't have any chance of moving it against him, but I have a chance to figure out where can I put my weight to make it impossible for him to move it. Figures that out. Checks box number one. Okay, we're stationary. Now, we're just going to stay here. I We are both in a an environment that's super duper hot, and we're using all of our body, all of our strength, all of our muscles at the same time. That's not good. That's a dangerous situation to be in. We're going to get fucking tired. We're going to get cramps. We're going to get the whole thing. This is going to be brutal if we have to do this for a long period of time. And Jordan knows I'm in better shape than not just Darrell, but anyone on this show, maybe anyone in the history of the show. And so this is going to suck. But if I hold this position and I hold Darrell in one spot, then I can hold longer in him. And I can at worst case make TJ say, you know, change some part of this game to make us start moving again. Otherwise, I'll just sit here for literal hours as long as it takes. And while doing it, I'm just going to start banging on the wall. I'm going to ask Darrell questions. I'm going to talk shit. I'm going to keep talking and being a nuisance and annoying. And I'm going to make Darrell's life inside of this metal cage a literal living hell until he decides, fuck it, I'll give up and I'll let Jordan win. Which, it doesn't come to that. Darrell's too tough to just straight give up. But he's not able to overcome his both of his legs completely seizing up and locking up in pure cramp. And it's, you know... They don't give us a full resolution other than Darrell seems in decent spirits in the confessionals afterwards. So I'm glad, you know, they show in the this time on someone getting taken off in a stretcher. You're like, oh, God damn, like someone got really, really hurt. Like this is going to be horrible. And Darrell got really hurt. In fact, his legs completely seized up on him. He had no chance of continuing that contest. Um, but thankfully it seems like probably some fluids and, you know, maybe some pickle juice or mustard or salt in general rub those cramps out very painful experience, I'm sure, but not a, you know, long-term detrimental uh, major injury. Hopefully, I don't know, we, we could be wrong. He might have actually, you know, we might find out he tore something or did, you know, something bad, but it seemed like just literally his both legs, full cramps, the entire thing, can't move, it's over, it got too hot, and I exerted myself for, a you know, an hour in 100-degree jungle weather. It's not going to last forever. Jordan gets the win. And it's just an unbelievable performance from him. It's a thrilling elimination round. And it's two, you know, two of the best of the best ever. Jordan and Darrell, four-time champ, three-time champ, two people who are well in that greatest player of all time conversation go against each other. That's incredible. That's a true heavyweight matchup. That part of the expectations was not let down. They say in the next week on, you know, heavyweight matchup, they showed Derek saying something to that effect. And we're like, okay, is it actually going to be, I predicted it would be West versus Jordan. Uh, This was on the same level. Darrell versus Jordan, massive matchup, lived up to it. An amazing victory for Jordan and the best moment of the episode. Final award to give out is then the episode MVP. I believe we've given all these people their appropriate flowers, so this should be rather quick, but your top five that made it onto the ballot in reverse order. Fifth place, Beth comes in, makes an impact. We talked at length about her before and bringing the entertainment, bringing the quality television content one way or the other, like or love or hate her always good entertainment. She comes in fifth, Veronica in fourth, 
a lot more present this episode than she had been really in the previous ones. I like the more Veronica, the better, you know, solidifying her trio and or bigger alliance, having that moment with Beth, doing well in the daily challenge, having a lot of fun moments. So Veronica makes the ballot. Darrell comes in third. He takes the loss. We hope he, his body is totally fine. We love Darrell. We were thrilled to hear him say afterwards, this isn't going to be my last time. I will come back. I am going to keep trying to do this. So love that. He's funny throughout. Got the quotes. Even in quitting in the daily challenge, it's entertaining. He's third. Kendall is second. I love Kendall so much. I'm so sad to see her out of the game and to have gotten an elimination that just does not play to her strengths in any way. She has a lot of strengths. She's been one of the, the best competitors, the best athletes on the show all three seasons she's been on it, and it just hasn't fully translated to get into a final or another win or anything, but I know if she keeps doing them, that it will translate to that because she's a badass and she's also just one of the best humans out there. So shout out to Kendall. You will be missed. And then finally, the MVP of the episode, first place MVP is Jordan. Mostly for everything we just talked about with the elimination, classic Jordan elimination, how to pull off the victory that seems like it's impossible. He pulls it off versus a heavyweight opponent. He and Naya, you know, getting together, their story, their arc, their personal arcs, plus them together. Love everything about it. Uh, really warms the heart. And then also the fact that it is continuing to come clear. Every episode it has been mentioned and is mentioned multiple times this episode, resulting finally in him going into elimination. But everyone in the house fears him on the male side from Wes on down. And even when Wes is op- willing to openly say, Jordan can beat me on any given final, any given daily, any given day, any given thing, Jordan absolutely could beat me in. Um, that is a testament to his stature in the game right now and the fact that this time around, unlike in times past where he maybe would really wear that stature on his sleeve, maybe be a little brash about it, a little cocky about it, he's just casual, cool, calm, collected. They come in, they tell him, hey, you're going into elimination. He says, okay, great. No, hey, don't worry about it. Don't, I don't need to know anything else. That's fine. I'll go in. I'll put in some work. Good. All good. So he's a cool, cool cucumber, cool character. He's winning eliminations. He's having a good time with Nia. He's having a great time in general. He's looking great in his cowboy hat. Jordan is the episode MVP of episode four. Two items remain on the agenda. First, the power rankings. Quick update, and it will be rather quick because really things haven't changed much at all. On the female side, Kayla holding down the top spot. She won again. No one's targeting her somehow. She's got the biggest alliance technically in the house. Continues to dominate. Will smoke everyone in her alliance in the final if she gets there with all of them. So, She's top spot for sure. Kellyanne is second. Last week, Kellyanne was third. She moves up to second, mostly because we've now got a fully pissed off, fully motivated, fully out to you know wreck this house. No one is with her, so she's against everyone. And that's the Kellyanne I think is going to be able to just absolutely smoke everyone. I think she might end up in every elimination this for the rest of the way out, and I think she might win every single one. If she gets that final, I think she's going to win that final. No, I don't think anyone's getting her out. So even if she's kind of, you know, the odd person out over there, no real alliance left, her one big ally out of the game, I I see Kellyanne uh, is still in a great position in this game. In a pissed off, motivated Kellyanne, it might not be the experience she wants to be able to hang out and do yoga with her best friend Kendall, but it might just be that extra little thing she needs to put it over the top and take her all the way to the end and to that big check. Third place, uh, slight shakeup on the female power rankings. Ronnie moves up to third. Wasn't ranked before. I just love the position she's in. 
and so far, what we've seen from her competitively, she's still absolutely got the athletics, um, got so, you know enough on the puzzle and math side. And I just feel like she's gonna she's gonna avoid elimination this whole time because I don't think the you know her biggest weakness coming into the game was a lack of alliances or connections. But at this point, she is you know nominally part of the treehouse, and it feels like she's proven herself athletically enough that it won't if it comes down to you know whoever's going into the elimination being able to straight up tell the authority I want this person. I don't think anyone's necessarily calling out Ronnie on the female side, uh, even if you know they're not best of friends with her or whatever. So I just love the position she's in. She moves to third. Male side, power rankings. Nehemiah last week first, this week stays first. He's just in an absolutely perfect position, playing this house exactly right, has all the right alliances. He's basically, you know, he says at one point in this episode, you know, I love Darrell. That's one of my mentors. That's OG. I love Darrell so much, but also now I'm like really good friends with Jordan. So like, I'm not really rooting for anyone in this. And at that moment you realize, Nehemiah, I'm pretty sure you're really good friends with every single person in the house at this point. Like literally everyone. You're also the, like the only one that like you and Beth are super cool and tight. Uh, and so he's in a great position. No one, it seems like literally no one in the house will be taking, uh, you know, a stab at him at any point. And he's a you know worthwhile competitor, both to get in the authority if he somehow did get last place and end up in elimination to win it, and when he gets that final to compete for the win, he's top of the male power rankings. West comes in second. It's where he was before. It's where he stays. Everything continues working for him near perfectly, and I still don't understand how he finally gets Jordan in an elimination, and he you know has the fun moment where he says, and I didn't even have to do anything. I wasn't a part of it. I didn't even like say his name, and then flash to the night before. Actually, he had a one-on-one conversation with Mark Long and was like, "We're you're doing Jordan, right? Like, we're getting Jordan out of here. Get Jordan, get Jordan, get Jordan. So classic West there, but stays second on the male power rankings. Derek stays third, so they don't change. Nehemiah West, Derek. Derek continues to be in fantastic position, similar to what we said about Ronnie. He's just in that that spot where it feels like he's going to completely avoid elimination unless he were to get in the last place, and he seems like he's too good of a competitor to probably pull a last place. So seems like he's going to be in that final one way or the other. That's your power rankings. As for predictions, quick update on the prediction front. Uh, last week we said for this particular episode for episode four, we made three predictions. We only got one of them kind of right. The one we got right. We said, whoever the replacement player is gets targeted immediately. Now they didn't even have to target Beth because she DQ'd and went straight to elimination. But I think we saw the consensus was she's going to have some sort of target on her regardless. So I'm going to go ahead and say that I was right about that. I said the heavyweight matchup would be West versus Jordan. Half of that, right? Half of that wrong. But overall that's a wrong. And then I said, yes, will be in the authority guaranteed because I saw the math coming. And as we said, shout out again, Godfather Mark Long. Mark beat yes at math. Uh, a big, big, big achievement. Yes was not in the authority. So I went one for three. As for the preseason predictions, still clean slate, still looking good. I said the finalist would be Ronnie, Veronica, Kayla, Kellyanne, Mark, Brad, Nehemiah, and Wes. And that Wes and Kellyanne would win. And so far, all eight of them are still in the game. So we'll see if I can, if I can somehow, if I can get six out of eight, I'm going to feel really, really good about myself. So we'll see how those go for next week's episode. Couple predictions on this front. And with the third one, I'm going to make three. And the third one uh, will be related to the next week on segment. So if you're someone who doesn't like watching those, you're going to want to bow out after two of these three predictions. But first one. If Jordan isn't in the authority, he will get thrown back into elimination immediately. I'm giving myself a small out of saying if he's not in the authority, 
I pretty much prediction for the rest of the season. I believe every time Jordan is not in the authority, now that someone has done it once, everyone will feel comfortable to do it again. He will go into elimination every time he is eligible for it until he either makes the final or loses. Second prediction then, the twist. In the next week on They Say the Twist, I believe the twist will be a smaller authority. I do not think there's some big twist where they're in partners or they're in teams. I think it is simply going to be that the authority drops down from six people to four. As we get less people in the game, the authority would get smaller. That is my prediction for what the twist amounts to next week. And then third and final one. This is the one that really matters from the next week on. And this this is another part that maybe, uh, maybe shaded my my view of Beth coming into the game a little bit as well when it, you know, shouldn't have yet because what we see on the next week on is something that happens in the next episode and should have waited maybe till then for this to be a thing. But in the next week on, we hear Beth tell Mark Long right before Jeanne walks up to the table with them, we hear Beth tell Mark Long that Jeanne and MJ are hooking up and cheating on their spouses. Um, and I mean, she, I believe she frames as John A is cheating on her husband with MJ. Uh, I know MJ kids, uh, single dad or spouse. Um, I'm not hundred percent positive, but either way, um, she makes a very big accusation. That's, that's a big accusation to level. And, um, we're just going to go ahead and say that, you know, from the start, I don't think this is going to be any truth to it at all. And so I am working under the pretense that this is complete fabrication and just bullshit. And if this is completely made up in a fabrication and some sort of gameplay, then Beth is evil. Like you don't fucking, you don't make this accusation unless you saw something of if you, if you see the two of them together, you know, hooking up or something, sure, you can, you can say something about it. But if this is flat out made up, which we'll find out, I guess, um, what, cause it seems like, you know, this is going to get back to them. I, I see no way in hell that Mark Long hears this and doesn't immediately say, Hey, I'm going to pull one of these two aside and, you know, say like Beth just said this. And I just want to, I don't want this to be a thing. I don't want this to be on TV. If this is completely made up, like we're let's, let's find the easiest way to just have this, not be a part of this experience for anyone. Um, but if it's made up, it's flat out evil. And it is a little different than this has happened in flagship seasons previously. Um, accusations, flat out false uh, accusations of this sort have been made. One of the the biggest examples I can think of is Polly back on Final Reckoning. Yeah, I always give Vendettas and Final Reckoning. They're kind of all one season to me. But on Final Reckoning, he keeps going to the uh, to the Redemption House while he's there with his partner, Natalie, he gets a little rivalry started with Kyle and Brad. And when they go back in to, you know, make, uh, to try to win their way back into the house and they lose and are sent back to the redemption house. He tells Brad who had been hooking up with and starting a relationship with Brittany at the time on the show. He tells Brad that when Brittany came to the redemption house, her and Chuck, her ex-boyfriend from are you the one started hooking up and he says this as he leaves and then no one is there. Brad has no one. Brittany's not there to ask her if it's true. Polly's now left. He can't do anything about it. And it's a, you know, it's a shady move, but it's way different than what this would be to me if, if Beth is just straight up saying uh, that, um, 
saying something that's false about married couples with children uh, versus a couple who just started hooking up a few days ago in the house. And now you want to say she's hooking up with her ex. You know, that's manipulative, shady, uh, conniving, you know, nasty gameplay, certainly from like what Polly did. But I didn't feel like it was, you know, it was a little gross, but it was like in the in the nasty spirit of a challenge house, so to speak. This is just on a whole different level when they're, you know, much older, they're adults. These are long-term relationships, marriages, there's children involved. So if this is, uh, if this is not true, which I should say my, the reason this is in the predictions part is my prediction is that this is a bold faced lie and that Beth is a liar and that this is going to blow up and be the story of next episode, this big lie that she tells. So that's my prediction is why I'm talking about it here. Um, but uh, if it were to be true, on these slight off chances true, then we're in for an emotional roller coaster of an episode. Um, big whoa there. But I don't think it will be. That's my final prediction. So Jordan isn't in the authority. He gets thrown right back in. The twist is just smaller authority, not partners or teams. And Beth is a liar about this cheating scandal that she wants to try to start. Those are the predictions. And that officially is all for this episode of the podcast. That's everything for episode four, All-Stars. Still, right now, great season with the chance of elevating all the way back from great to all-time best ever in the running four. So we'll see if it gets back there with episode fives. Don't know how many episodes we have. I mean, at the rate they're eliminating people, uh, I don't know that we're getting a full 10 episodes. This might be an eight-episode run. Who knows? We will see. We might already be halfway through. We shall find out. Looking forward to next week's show. As always, hit that follow or subscribe button. Follow us on Instagram at Challenge Historian for additional content and be on the lookout for the Inferno podcast recap went up yesterday and next week, Battle of the Sexes 2. We're going to keep the Challenge Rewatch series rolling. If you have any feedback on this podcast, the Rewatch series podcast, or anything at all related to the Challenge Historian, please hit me up on Instagram slide into the DMs. I respond to them all. I check them all. If you've got anything you like, anything you dislike, anything you'd want to see added when I do an episode recap, you think this should always be a segment, let me know. If you think this should be a segment on, or this is an idea for the season recap podcast, let me know. If you've got constructive criticism, you're like, hey, this isn't working for you. Cut this out. Do this different. Whatever. Let me know. Love to hear from you. Love interacting with all of the other challenge lovers and challenge fans out there. So hit me up, slide the DMs at Challenge Historian on Instagram. Best way to get a hold of me. With that, thank you so much for being here today. I hope you have a wonderful end of your week and weekend. Until we talk again, peace. <laughs>